And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 637, continuing our team-by-team previews for the 2024 fantasy baseball season. The AL is behind us now. We head to the National League, and we kick things off in the NL East with the juggernaut, at least the offensive juggernaut, known as the Atlanta Braves. In order to help me break this team down, it's a friend of mine, a friend of the show. He helped us break them down last year. He was actually on the show about a month ago, helping us talk about some stuff with Eric Cross. You can find his work at Rotoballer now, which is new and fun. The Toolshed Podcast with Mr. Cross and Dynasty Dugout, where he does just a ridiculous amount of work. If you have the Substack app, you just get updates all the time because there's a the dude was crazy enough to to have a thousand prospects ranked, a thousand <laughs> people. There was like no typo there. You can find him on Twitter at Roto Clay. Chris Clegg, how you doing, my friend? I am uh, doing good, Bubba. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's uh, always fun having you on, chatting with you. Talk some Braves today. But, uh, yeah, it's it. Uh, things are good. We're, we're like three weeks from spring training. That's wild. I. It's unbelievable that it feels like we were just in Arizona at the mm-hmm. you know, end of October, beginning of November. And here we are almost in February. It's It's in a blink of an eye going by. And yeah, it's almost baseball season. I need warmer weather. Uh, you probably fine out there in California, but this South Carolinian is quite cold. We were down to like 14 degrees last night, and I just can't do that. <laughs> no, I'm not built for that. We had about a two week where it was like fro- frost free- frozen every morning, but yeah, you no, know, the thaw out be fine. Now it's just kind of rain and sitting in the you know mid to high 50s low 60s so yeah no real complaints out here got the golf over the weekend so <laughs> nice. yeah that's it's the one time that, like there's certain times of the year where california is worth the price of admission and um <laughs> so, certain times i said that is worth the price of admission but yeah um it's it's good i hope you guys heat up because yeah there's some bad cold storms coming back and forth your way over the last few weeks all right let's get in to the braves here but before we talk 2024 just as a fan per se what were your thoughts on 2023? Obviously a great season, but came up just a little short. Yeah, I mean, the regular season was obviously tremendous. Finished with the best record in baseball, 104 wins. They were you know, up and down, incredible all year. And then and they just came up short in the playoffs, and it was a sad, I won't say shocking exit. They just they didn't have it in the postseason, and that's what we've seen the last two years with the Phillies and it came down to pitching in my opinion just the pitching depth was not there you know, in, Max Freed was hurt you know, Spencer Strider I, Strider pitched fine this year in the playoffs but two years ago you know he had been a workhorse and you know exceeded his innings by a good margin and then going to the playoffs you know he had that oblique issue too so the injuries with to pitchers and their depth there has ultimately kind of been their downfall to the point where you're starting Bryce Elder in an elimination game, and that's not the situation you want to be in if you're a team that just came off the best record in baseball. But the lineup up and down, absolutely incredible. The rotation should be much improved this year, and it's already pretty solid. I think it's just going to come down to health for a lot of these guys. I mean, the rotation should be really good, but you kind of look at the list, and you've seen, like, Freed's been dealing with injuries. Morton's 40 years old. Like, how much more does he have? Chris Sale. Hasn't stayed healthy much at all. So there are questions regarding the rotation. I still think that they maybe look to make another move. Maybe they wait till midseason. We'll kind of see how that goes. But they do have a couple prospects waiting in the wings that could come up and pitch in the rotation pretty soon. So, yeah, it's an exciting team that should be equally as good as they were last year. And it's been a fun offseason because I was talking to Bloomfield and some others that 
like they're making a ton of moves and I keep going. They're just clearing cap space. They're just clearing cap space. They're just like, you can just watch as they're, <laughs> they're opening 40 man roster spots up. Like there was just this whole like different, like I was joking. You have these, the, the elites of the national, you have the Braves on one side doing it their way. Then you have the Dodgers on the other side, just spending every dollar they can find deferring half of it and doing all those things. Two completely different ways to build juggernauts. And it's been really fun to watch. And, uh, no one would be shocked if we see them clash in October. Um, they, they should on paper. This should, yeah. should be the two teams that meet in October and then kind of flip a coin to see where the best man lands. But um, it's really fun to kind of see. And in that vein, it feels like they're not done yet, the Braves, this offseason, because they've opened up so many kind of options to do. So I'm really curious to see where that all lands. But all right, let's talk 2024 Braves. And this one's pretty easy, but you can wax poetic as long as you want about the number one pick in fantasy, at least until last night when, if you're on Twitter on (laughs) Sunday night, someone took Noelvi Marte as the top pick. And and apparently I've heard from someone in that draft, they accident thing and they tried to uh, contact admin and no one was around and basically got hosed in that scenario. But um, Ronald Acuna Jr., top pick in the draft for obvious reasons, Um, just beast. 41 homers, 73 steals, 149 runs scored. Hit 337, uh, increases in strikeouts. Are the it was just it was just great all around the board. What's your thoughts on Acuna? Because he's the clear number one pick so far in 2024. Yeah, they say it's always hard to follow up a number one overall season and do it again. But for Acuna, even with a lot of regression, I still think he's going to be the number one player. You know, barring injury, if he stays healthy the full season, then. Yeah, there's zero doubt in my mind that he's going to be that top player. You look at what he did last year, obviously 40-70, completely unheard of. New stolen base rules, more stolen bases. I get that, but still, you're probably looking even at 40-55, even if those rules weren't in place, just because the type of runner Acuna is, his instincts on the base path, etc. But he also hit 337 in the process, which is just absolutely wild. On the Rasball Player Raider, finished with... Uh, 70 and a half dollars earned. Matt Olson was the next highest at 46 and a half. So like you said, there's plenty of room for regression to take place and Acuna still be that top dog. What's most impressive to me about this profile is just the improved contact rates year over year, how he's just steadily improved in those aspects. And last year, you know, according to Savant had 86% zone contact the overall contact was 81%. So both those numbers are extremely solid, helped lead to that batting average, hits the ball incredibly hard, runs at a high rate. I mean, he's going to run high BABIP, so naturally give that batting average a boost a bit. You know, I mean, how much is there to say, I think that this is the best player in the game when healthy, and even if he regresses you know, a decent margin, I still think he's going to finish as the number one overall player. So you should take him... At number one, without question, for any draft you have, in my opinion. He's only 26, so, I mean, the best days could still be ahead, which seems crazy to say, but 100% buying Ronald Acuna Jr. Yep, yep. If uh, you aren't taking him number one, it's just being way too cute. <laughs> if injuries happen, they happen. But uh, you're taking the best player, and you're going to roll with it and see what happens in that regard. All right, let's talk Ozzy Albies, the second baseman for the Braves, coming back after a, kind of in, an injury riddle 2022 33 homers, 13 steals, hit 280, all fine and dandy. Um, should plug into the second spot again in 2024. What are our thoughts on him, though? Because right now we have an ADP of around 22, 23 since January 1st. And um, I, I think I, I'm more curious, do you think we'll ever see the 20 stolen base albies again? Or is that a thing of the past? Yeah, I mean, I would say that's the biggest question mark that 
we saw is that we talked about the new stolen base rules, the increase in stolen bases across the league, but that wasn't the case for Albies at all. Stole 20 bases in 2021 in a full season. Obviously, 2022 was a completely lost year, not healthy at all. Then 2023 stole just 13 bags. So I'm not sure. I still have questions about that. You have to also wonder if this scenario where Acuna was getting on base and then he's stealing second so often, like, was there any even many opportunities for Albies to steal? And that's something I haven't even like dug into. It's probably something good to look at. But in general, I'm not sure. I'm more comfortable saying that Albies is a 10 to 15 steal guy. Certainly, you buy the power. He's now had two seasons over the last three years in which he's hit 30 home runs. And while the underlying metrics aren't you know, sexy by any means, you look at the EVs, the barrel rates, they're all kind of like, how did he hit 33 home runs? Well, he hits the ball at ideal launch angles consistently, very high sweet spot rate. He doesn't miss often, and he puts a lot of balls in play, and he's a compiler. Like he's When he's healthy, he's out there every day. You know, 2021, he had 686 plate appearances. This past year, 660. So he's getting the plate appearances. He's getting the opportunities. The low walk rate, you know, it's kind of a detriment to some, but it's not going to hurt him too bad because he is putting those balls in play, making things happen. So, you know, I think it's fair to say, like, you know, he's probably going to be at least a 25-10 guy with room for more. You know, I'm hesitant to look at a player like Alpies and say, oh, yeah, he's a shoe-in for 30 home runs, even though he's done it the last two years that he's been healthy. So the expectation's there to be a solid power speed guy with a respectable average too. And obviously in the best or one of the best lineups in baseball, so there's going to be plenty of opportunities to drive in Acuna while also scoring a lot of runs too. He fell just short of the 100-100 mark last year, 96 runs, 109 RBI. I wouldn't be shocked if he's 100-100 this year. And that's a, a really fun player, especially at the second base position. Second base, good five-category guy. It uh, definitely makes the ADP worth it because – you got Simeon going ahead of him, but Simeon needs all those plate appearances, so it just takes an IL stint or two, and Simeon takes a pretty big step back, and it makes Albies, I think, shine a little more in that conversation because everyone just says there's such a gap, but there's only a gap because he has 700-plus plate appearances. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you got to see how that plays out. Austin Riley, the big man at third base, a couple of years ago blew out, uh, blew onto the scene, you know, hitting 303, and I was like, oh, he can't hit for average. Well, 273 and 281 in back-to-back years, I'll take that. When you get 30-plus home runs every year, about 200-plus runs RBIs combined, it's a pretty solid bat there. So what's your thoughts on Albies heading into 2024 now with an ADP of around 20? I think he's certainly valued fairly given the performance the last three years. I mean, as steady as they come, you know exactly what you're going to get from Austin Riley. And the third base position does have a lot of talent. So you have to make that decision. Do you want to pay up a second-round cost? for Austin Riley, knowing that there's depth at the position, but what Riley provides from a power standpoint, really a true four-category guy, you know exactly what you're going to get. There's minimal risk. Talk about a compiler. It literally played every day, 693 played appearances 2022, 715 in 2023, and 38 and 37 home runs over those two seasons. And the averages have been good. You know, I think that that's kind of one of the biggest things. People are like, I oh, can't hit 300. He's fallen off. And I don't expect him to hit 300. You don't need Austin Riley to hit 300. 
considering a 280 batting average is going to give you a massive boost in fantasy. I don't think people realize how beneficial that kind of batting average is. Even if he hits 275, which is his career mark, that's still value, especially when you know you're getting 35 home runs, when you know you're getting a ton of RBI opportunities, a ton of runs scored. And it's actually a little bit surprising that he has not had 100 RBI either of the last two seasons. He had uh, 93 and 97. Kind of to be, shocked to, about to that. be fair, he had Acuna and Olsen hitting in front of that's him. Fair. So there was just not many, <laughs> as many chances they're hitting the ball exactly. out of the park. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like I, I joked uh, with like everyone all excited about the Dodgers adding all these guys. I'm like, they're still only going to score X amount of runs. So yeah. they all can't have 120 RBIs. It's impossible. And yeah. this Riley, that's what Riley's Riley's perfect example. Like in a, in a different lineup, Riley plays 130 RBIs. So. Back to where you were. Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. But he scored 117, so that kind of certainly helps that out. I think Riley's as consistent a bet as there is in baseball. I just think you can lock in those numbers and say, all right, he's going to give me at least 35. He's going to give me close to 100 running RBI each. He's going to hit at least 275. You know what you're getting from Austin Riley. I mean, the, the dude just mashes. So he's a safe bet. I think he's certainly priced fairly at this point. And I think just the the expectations, you know what you're going to get. So if you like that, then then buy him. Yep, I don't disagree with that one bit. I've I bought in on him. I guess the discussion I always have in my head is Riley's versus Devers. Devers goes like five picks later, and if you look at yeah. it, like Devers slightly better average, but not not really. He's about about two eighty hitter lately, but he hits thirty home runs every year, just like Riley. Like the counting stats are similar. Might get a few more steals. Riley has a better ceiling for counting stats just on the team he's on. So it's a really like an interesting comparison that I didn't think would ever exist in years past, but I was just looking at them both over the weekend doing something, and uh, they really stood out as almost like that Spider-Man gif uh, yeah. as very, very similar players, just two different team contexts, which I think gives Riley that boost for sure. I'll be at five picks, but just that, just enough. Michael Harris the second. Um, it's crazy where we are here because last year's draft season, we saw that small sample in 2022, and we're like, oh man, he's a second rounder. Let's do this. And everyone's like, oh, you're crazy. He's at the bottom of the order. Such a said blah blah blah. Well, he had 18 homers and 20 steals in 138 games, hit 293. That's not bad. Projection systems love him to be like almost a 25-25 guy. Uh, he's got an ADP of 34, so you do have to pay the price, but it could be nice. I'll be at the bottom of the Braves order. Very good Braves order. So what's your thoughts on Michael Harris? Because he's one of those guys that – it's like an injury away to Albies even, and he's at the top of the order probably, and that just boosts him tremendously. But what's your thoughts on Harris? Yeah, so Harris was just insanely elite after he got over his injuries last year. I mean, the first couple of months, like I was getting questions like, do we drop Michael Harris? Like was he complete fluke? But people kind of failed – to acknowledge like he was playing with a back injury and a hyperextended knee from a, a slide into the base. So he was dealing with two major things that affect the swing. And you kind of look at the numbers there, kind of like the before. And then when he seemed to get healthy, obviously he was playing, but he still wasn't fully healthy. But the marker for me was kind of like June the 7th, it seemed when like things really started to get going. So if you look at the numbers over the first you know, two months or so of the season, he was pretty horrific. 163 average, 246 OBP, and a 244 slug. That was across 138 plate appearances. And then, like I said, I'm not sure why June the 7th specifically, but something was a catalyst then. 
and the rest of the season he hit 335 over 401 plate appearances with 16 home runs and 15 stolen bases so Harris to me is certainly feels like he could be a 2020 or 25 25 guy pretty easily and give you a really good batting average you know in 2022 he came up and he was on a 29 30 pace and this year was not much different when you look at it I think that he is really legit. And like I said, the, the biggest downfall is just the batting, the spot in the lineup. Like, where does he fit in the lineup? And, yeah, you know, all, that's, all that stuff works itself out. And the results are still going to be there. Even at the bottom of this order, he's still going to get plate appearances. He's still going to get plenty of counting stat opportunities. So to me, Harris is a pretty strong in, investment, in my opinion. People are going to freak out about the walk rate. But again, you look at it, and Harris puts so many balls in play. He doesn't strike out. So when you're doing that, like I don't worry as much about the walk rate unless you're in an OBP format, obviously. But if you're looking at like a standard five by five league, like he's a pretty true five category guy, I believe. And so he's an easy investment for me at the cost. I don't think the cost is is too too high, all things considered. When you look at kind of other outfielders that go around him. I mean, Luis Robert is going about just six, seven picks ahead of him, and that's the closest outfielder, and then it drops down to like Adelise Garcia, who obviously had an awesome year, but there's some volatility in that profile too. So I'm pretty comfortable at that 36 ADP taking Michael Harris and think that you know, as long as he's healthy, he's going to be fine. He's still only 22 years old too, and you look at what he's done the last two years. It's just impressive. Yeah, I'm slowly buying back into him. Like, because at first I was sitting there kind of debating how this, that, and the other. And that's why I, people say I'm an idiot for doing so many shows. But this is part of why I do it as I continue to learn and develop like what I'm seeing in players. And I draft so many teams, same reason. And Harris is starting to stand out. I guess like the biggest reason I don't have a ton of Harris is that third, third roundish area is where I'm taking a pitcher more often than not. And so I guess it comes down to when I uh, maybe if I diversify the way I draft, change things up, that's where Harris would slide in beautifully. But it's a good good point because I have a lot of Lou Bobs. So maybe I take a picture there and take Harris the next round, like do things like that and kind of mix and match because Lou Bob's got that uh, injury volatility that we've seen time and time again. So yeah, it could be interesting. De- definitely a discussion point to be had there with Michael Harris. Matty Olson, the fifth Atlanta Brave. Let me double check. Yes, fifth Atlanta Brave offensive player in the top 35 picks right now. Strider would make it six total players in the top 35. Just do the math on that. One sixth of the player pool is an Atlanta Brave right now. Matty Olson's got an ADP of around 17, 18 right now, coming off a monster season. 54 home runs while hitting 283. Not just all the bombs. He hit for average. He had 139 RBIs and 127 runs scored. Just asinine, basically what he did it was ridiculous tough to duplicate that but a heck of a season so what's your thought on Matty Olson? is he still worth that ADP even though there's like common sense says there has to be some regression here yeah I do think there's some natural regression coming but I will say I think that Olsen's still going to be a consistent thread in this lineup first year 2022 in Atlanta there was so many expectations and comparisons to Freddie Freeman obviously the beloved Freeman was in the org since uh, 2009 and to have to step in his shoes was a big spot and I don't think Olsen did a bad job by any means he had 34 homers he had just 240 though in 2022 but then this year we saw him take a step forward obviously added 20 more home runs to give him 54 he had one of the 
you know, the best average exit velocities in all of baseball on the highest barrel rates and hard hit rates. And that's exactly who he is. We we know that Matt Olson can mash. He's going to have a ton of counting stats. But I guess the question remains, then, what kind of average are we looking at? A lot of the average boost was simply because of those home runs. We saw you know 54 home runs, so naturally, that's a hit. That's going to count for your batting average. Do I think there's batting average regression coming? Probably so, but maybe not extreme. I think Olsen probably looks like a 270 hitter. And I think he's going to give you 40 or more home runs. I wouldn't say that the expectation should be more than 40 for, for really anybody. But Olsen is one of the best power hitters in the game. He does a lot of things well. He has a ton of value to provide, too, especially in the middle of this lineup that's just absolutely elite. I think you are buying pretty high at the ADP around 17. But again, he finished second on the Rasball Player Raider last year returned $46.5 just buying Acuna, obviously. So if you look at it that way, there still could be some regression and him be worth that draft cost. The interesting thing is just first base ultimately has those mashers kind of up and down the board. You just don't know what you're going to get average-wise. And you probably aren't getting the counting stats from a running RBI standpoint that you would with Olsen anywhere else. Like you can look at a Christian Walker who also has power and may hit for similar average, but... I don't think he's getting anywhere close to the running RBIs that Olsen is. So that's kind of like the difference is, you know, if you want to pay up and get that secure power in the second round, you're going to have to do so. And I'm a little hesitant at the price tag. Like I'm a little more confident in Austin Riley, but I will say like, I mean, Olsen is legit. He's very much legit. This price tag, that's just, I can't stomach it. Like it's one of those yeah. I'll, I'll be okay being wrong on. Like, I'll take Alonzo 12 picks later. I think he hits at least 260. He had a rough BABIP year last year. Oh, yeah. Um, and, but he, I could see him hitting 45 to 50 home runs, no problem, just because that's who he is. County stats be damned, though, compared to to, to Olsen. So you're, you're right there. But um, I, I could, like, you know, going to Alonzo or just dropping down, taking chances. But yeah, the total power counting stats package, Olsen's pretty much elite across the board in that regard. All right. Let's. Talk Sean Murphy, a player that uh, started out incredibly slow, had a monster run, then really sucked because every time Travis Terry noticed healthy, they platooned. And uh, I think that was part of it. He also had a little bit of injury thing, but I think that was part of it. Still hit 251, 21 homers on the year, but you got to pay a draft price of 146. He's still one of the top catchers going like right behind um, Francisco Alvarez when you're talking catchers and right before Gabriel Moreno. So what's your thoughts on Sean Murphy introducing the inter inter in this season? Because as long as Darren Oates healthy, I just can't pay for Sean Murphy. Yeah, I mean, Murphy's certainly legit. And it's interesting to me that the Braves gave him that eight-year extension and then proceeded to kind of split time. Obviously, DRNO has not been the most reliable with injury. So that's a factor that Murphy should see you know, plenty of plate appearances. He also dealt with some things last year that he played through, which I do think that potentially affected him. You know, he had a concussion that he played through, which was interesting. And I wonder, like, you know, they said he was cleared, but it was down the stretch of the season where, like, they they needed everything they had and they didn't have DRNO. And so, like, I wonder if they just, like, played him through it, which seems crazy. But you could kind of see where the results started kind of trending the wrong direction, at least, because – the splits were pretty drastic. He also dealt with a hamstring injury, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. I wanted to look and confirm. Yeah, um, 
but I'm pretty sure it was a hamstring and then the concussion later in the year. But pre-All-Star break, 17 homers, a 306 average, a 400 OBP, and a 600 slug. Like, Murphy just absolutely mashed when he was playing regularly, had those everyday at-bats. Like, he was a dude. In the second half, 159 average, 310 OBP, just four home runs. It seemed like he just was not able to lift the ball like he did before. And I don't know. Was it an injury thing? I'm I'm kind of questioning whether it was or not. The strikeouts, you know, were still there, but he also still scores the ball. I mean, you look at the Savant page, he had one of the best barrel rates in all of baseball at 16%. The high sweet spot per- rates at 38%. He doesn't chase out of the zone at all. He makes enough contact. I think the questions still remain with Murphy, like you said, is how much time does he get? At the draft cost, how much? How many plate appearances do you need from Sean Murphy in order for him to return value? And I think that mark probably looks something like 500. Can he get 500? Maybe. I'm a little more comfortable with 450. I think DRNO is going to find some time. Obviously, he's going to catch, but he could also DH. But again, you had Marcel Hozuna, who hit 40 home runs last year in that role. Ozuna is not going to play in the field at all. So I think it kind of begs the question then of like, how do the Braves decide to split it? If Murphy can get 450 plate appearances at minimum, I'm okay with the cost because I think he can return value or at least provide value at the catcher position. There's so many options later that I like as well that make it kind of like, "Eh, I'm not sure if I want to invest this draft capital in him when I can just wait a little bit and get someone a little bit later, like a, a Logan O'Hoppy, who I really like, or a Kiber Ruiz, or even bank on like a Luis Campuzano type breaking out. So I don't know. The draft cost is high, and it's a decision you have to make. I do have Murphy in a couple DCs because he did fall. Like he fell to like 180, 190 range in a draft. I was like, okay, well, I can't, I can't keep sitting on this. Yeah. So at the cost, though, I certainly feel you. I think it's a, it's a questionable investment there. And you nailed the biggest reason, like obviously the cost part, but there's so many of those guys, the Ohoppies, the um, I'm a nailer guy, Gimpisano's a great name. Like there's a bunch of dudes I'd like I can take a chance there. And if the playing time does in fact come down for Murphy, I can see all those guys outperforming him. And that's yeah. just the reality of the situation where you never know, maybe the Braves end up playing him more. It just feels like as long as they keep Travis there, it just isn't gonna be enough. That's that's the problem. I've been worried about that since the day they brought him over because I think Murphy is that good. Just will they let him be that good is the question. You mentioned Marcelo Zuna, and this was a weird season. 144 games, hasn't done that since 2018. 40 home runs, best in his career. 100 RBIs, 84 runs scored, hit 274. Just across the board was really, really good. Uh, He has an ADP of 162, UTIL only, and NFBC for those keeping track at home. But uh, you can still work around that. Just reminding y'all, what's your thoughts on Marcelo Zuna this season? Uh, he's going into a contract year, so those are certainly those typically allow the player to play up a bit. You were right about you know he played so much more. Was that because he was strictly at DH, or you know I think there's still questions about that as far as like he only played the field a very small amount, and he's not good in the field, so. Did that allow him just to stay healthy, not have to worry about fielding, all those things? Did did that allow him to play up? Possibly. He hits the ball, like everybody else in this lineup, very, very hard. He barreled it up extremely well at a near 17% barrel rate, which is just absurd. 
I have questions about him repeating this. I mean, obviously, if he can hit you 30-plus home runs and give you a 275 average, then he's likely worth the draft capital. But my biggest fear, and what I hate doing, is clogging that util-only spot in an FBC draft at 155. Like It just kind of limits your flexibility there. And while the production could be there, and certainly there's the opportunity for Ozuna to repeat. I mean, shoot, he finishes the 30th overall player last year. That's fine as a DH only, Mm -hmm. but how much of it's repeatable? And I think that's kind of my question. I don't think he hits 40 again. I would say that probably 30 is a safer bet. I know that I'm curious now. I know ATC came out today, so I'm curious what our friend Ariel Cohen has him at. 29 home runs from him, and then Steamer had him at 31 with a 255 batting average for both there. So uh, it's interesting. I'm uh, I'm probably not buying at the cost, though I do think that he could return some value at that draft cost. Yeah, I currently don't have any Osuna, but it's one of those – I'm not saying I'm doing it on purpose. I probably might be more inclined in a fab league, per se, to go Acuna's route. I and this is a fault of mine, not a thing that needs to be done. I have a hard time taking utils that early in a DC yeah. where it just completely locks up your lineup. Like I said, in the fab league, I'd have no problem taking him as a util type thing. It's a totally different animal. So um I'll probably be more inclined to it at that point, but I'm not like forcing myself to get to Marcelo Zuna. The contract here is enticing, even though it's a narrative that some people think is ridiculous. It's been proven to be right way more than wrong, it feels like. Yeah. So it is uh very interesting to take a peek at. One of your newer acquisitions this offseason, Jared Kelenic or Kelenic. What is it, Kelenic or Kelenic? I always it Kelenic, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Kelenic, okay. There we go. Uh, ADP of 226 right now, which is you know, probably about right for a guy that's coming over, uh, looks to be the everyday left fielder in uh, in Atlanta, came with 11 homers, 13 steals, 253, and 105 games with Seattle last year. Obviously, he had his ups and downs. He had a couple of runs there where it felt like, wow, we're finally getting the, the Kelnick guy, and then kind of disappeared again. So what's your thoughts heading over to Atlanta, another new place to start, good ballpark for left-handed power potentially? So what are you thinking? Yeah, I think he did need this refresh, like new start, new city, new team kind of thing. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I'm shocked that his ADP kind of hasn't swelled as much. I thought it would, like pre- and post-trade. He was 226 uh, pre-trade and then post-trade. I want to confirm where he's going. Uh, but yeah, with Kelnick, I mean, he was he had to be the dude. There was pressure on him in Seattle like to come up and be that superstar. Yeah, it's confer- his ADP's moved up two spots like since the trade, which is Interesting. Two, 226 to 224. So um, a side point, but he was deemed like the savior of the Mariners. He was looked at as like this next big thing. And what we came to know about Kelnick that wasn't as much talked about, you know, but some people later mentioned, like even as a prep player, like Kelnick was very hard on himself, very emotional, like put way too much pressure on himself. And then coming through the minors, like he never faced any adversity. He was just better than everybody. He dominated everybody. But when he faced adversity, like he really got into his own head. Like he put the pressure to be the guy, like to be the savior in Seattle. Obviously, Julio Rodriguez came in, stepped in that role, and was dominant. And Kilnick was not. But now Kilnick steps into an Atlanta lineup where he's the seventh best hitter, arguably. So there's no pressure. It's like just go out and do your thing. Like you don't you don't need to be somebody that you're not. And 
working with the Braves hitting coaches, we've seen them kind of work wonders. I think that Kelnick could be in for a breakout season. We know the power's there. We know the speed is there as well. It's just putting it all together. It's about making contact. The interesting thing is, like, they talked about him and Von Grissom platooning in left field, which was actually never going to happen. It was just a bunch of GM and coach talk to try to appease and keep Von Grissom happy. That was never the case. Like, Von Grissom wasn't a left fielder. They didn't spend all that money acquiring Kelnick to just platoon him. But Kelnick actually did improve significantly against lefties last year. He'd always struggled mightily. And last year, he hit 259 against lefties while hitting just 251 against righties. The contact rates were significantly better. Like, I think that Kelnick's an everyday guy that can return some value at this draft cost. I think that there's potential 2020 upside here. And while the average may not be incredibly high, if he hits 255 or 260 and goes 2020 in that lineup, I think that's going to play, especially from that ADP. Yeah, it's interesting because it is later in the draft. You're, you know, fourth, fifth outfielder, hopefully. So you can definitely see some an avenue for Kelnick to get their Eddie out of the out of the way. I, yeah, the Von Grissom thing was funny. I guess I'm always wondering, do they bring in another guy? They haven't yeah. yet. They have no reason to technically, but maybe they find an angle with their uh, analytics that says it's better to do so. We'll see. Yeah. Kelnick's still so young, so I, I'd give him a, a longer leash. But that's just me. Um, let's head to shortstop where, you know, everyone wanted Von Grissom to be there too, but when you can't play the position defensively at the time, they gave it to Orlando Garcia and he was good enough to not take it away type thing. He had 264, 17 homers, like didn't light the world on fire, but he was there and he played pretty good defense. That's what they wanted. When you give everybody else driving in a million runs, you don't need all nine guys to do it. So defense is a luxury at a certain point. And Orlando Garcia had it, uh, right now you're paying an ADP of 326 which is dirt cheap for a starting shortstop. Like I kind of gets buried in the conversation unless I'm missing something. Is he not going to have the job all season? What's your thoughts on Arcia? Uh, he's going to play every day as far as I'm concerned. I There's always been the chatter of whether they go out and acquire like a high-end shortstop, but who, like, who do they get? I don't, I don't know who they would go out and trade for. Like there's not a lot of like, teams with these high-end shortstops that are just willing to trade them, and the Braves don't have a lot of trade ships. Like, the Willie Adamas stuff has been floated, but, you know, is Willie Adamas actually that much of an upgrade? They already have a ton of power. They don't really need that in the lineup. And Arcia does everything that you want him to do. Like you said, he just gets the job done. He's not sexy. They got him on this lucrative contract that averages like 2.5 mil a year, which is stupid Damn. to get a league average player at this point. He was a 99 WRC+. plus. I think the value is actually really good. I've looked at him a lot as like a, a middle infield option because you know what you're going to get. I mean, he's at the bottom of the order. He's going to actually probably score a lot of runs just given who he's going to hit behind. I mean, Acuna's going to come up and you drive him in more often than not when he's on base. The 17 home runs was solid, 264 average. That's solid. I mean, all these things will play. I mean, yeah, he doesn't hit the ball overly hard. He doesn't make like the best contact in the world. He's kind of just like an average player, but at the draft cost, like who cares? Like you said, it costs virtually nothing at that point to get a, a solid middle infielder who plays every day and plate appearances becomes the name of the game at some point. I think it's a real possibility he gets 550 to 600 if healthy. Yep. I think it's it's one of those we laugh about, you know, finding plate appearances and it kind of starts drying up here and there. And you got an Arcia sitting there at 326, like in a DC, that's a phenomenal price tag 
to, to draft another guy that can potentially start for you at a shortstop position that does get weird uh, as the draft board goes down. Like it's very, very weird. So to have that kind of luxury, that depth that uh, especially a 15 team league, like that's just beautiful. So I'm with you on RC. It's, it's interesting. And I know he's probably going down there because it's only like a two and a half category guy or whatever, but Hey, that that'll play in deeper formats as a middle infielder. So I'm hundred percent with you on that. Any other hitters? Like you look at their projected bench right now. It's really outside of Travis, I guess it's a lot of moving parts at the moment. I, I don't think they're done by any means type thing. So uh, anything else before we head to the mound? I just don't think any of these guys are, are going to be of any value, in my opinion. I mean, maybe Diarno, but he's he's an, actually a intriguing late round shot. His ADP, I'm not sure where it is right now, but if in the chance that Murphy gets hurt, then Diarno's going to step in. Awesome. Yeah, and he's he, we know he's capable of putting up power numbers, hitting for a decent average. I mean, he did hit 225 last year, which was down. He was obviously at 268 the year before. But he's a decent bet as like a C3 in a DC. I think that's probably the range he's going in. I can't, I feel like 80, last 80 piece 372. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking, like around the 400 range. That's not a bad price by, yeah. by any means, especially given that people do pay up a good bit for catchers. So he's an interesting investment. The rest of the bench is just not good. Like you said, maybe they go out and get some more, but no, I think. I think none of those guys are even relevant to talk about this point. I think, yeah, when we talk of maybe uh, even March 1st, if not April 1st, that's a different bench right there. That's from I wouldn't be surprised if Rosario's back before <laughs> that price tag probably drops, but we'll talk about that at a later date. Let's head to the mound. We already said Acuna is number one overall, technically the number one hitter overall. Right now, the number one pitcher off the board resides on the Atlanta Braves as well. That is one Spencer Strider has an ADP of seven. He's got as high as three, as low as 10, or vice versa, however you want to look at that. His max, min is three, his max is 10. Uh, Strider is just a beast. Seemed like he maybe got a little tired as the season went on. Who knows? Like the ratios got a little more, little more home run prone towards the end, but the strikeouts were still elite. You can give a nearly 300K season type thing. This guy's awesome. So I have no problems with Spencer Strider at all. What's your thoughts on Strider? Nope, I'm, uh, He's an easy investment. I have no faults with him going in the first round yeah. at all. The people that do look at ERA, but I, I mean, really, like there's so much more to this profile than his ERA last year. Yeah. If you want to talk that, I mean, he had 386 ERA, but he had a 309 X ERA, a 285 FIP, and a 292 X FIP. Like it's interesting that he had almost that much bad luck, but to me, I think Strider's just, he's got it. He threw 186 innings in the regular season. Like, he feels like a lot. Like, the innings were the question going into last year, and now we know that he can throw innings and be a consistent starter and still maintain the elite strikeout rates that he had. I mean, just absurd to even consider a starter having a 37% strikeout rate. Oh, and he lowered the walk rate, too, to 7.5%. Just absurd stuff that Strider... It's done. He's got a career MLB batting average against below 200. He just does everything you want in a pitcher, in my opinion. And he's he's a safe bet. Like I think he's a safe bounce back. Like you say, a bounce back from a, a ERA that wasn't good. But, you know, he's probably going to go below three this year and give you all the Ks in the world. I'd love to see him get a 300 strikeout season. I don't know if it's possible. He had 281 last year. He was kind of chasing it. That'd be wild to see. It hasn't been done in quite some time. If anyone can do it, it's him right now. That's the darn yep. truth. Like, there's there's some really good pitchers out there. I just don't think they have, like, they're more 250-ish. Strider's got that chance that 
you think about it in reality, it's just one more KF start. Like it's really not as bad as it seems to to, to pull it off. But with Strider, what I yeah, I, I I'm doing an article on their series on fantasy pros. I did it last year. Second one should be out by now. Basically, it goes through final ADPs and it's like round one, one picks one through twelve, then thirteen through so on and so forth. First five rounds. I was blown away that if you just if you just blindly just did an auto draft on ADPs, the first pick got Acuna and then Spencer Strider because he went 24th. Uh, at, like, that's just stupid. That's absolutely yeah. ridiculous. If you walked away from a draft with that combo like, and you didn't win your league, we need to talk. Um, Max Freed, this is a guy I've always loved in the fantasy circles. Huge fan of Max Freed. A big injury thing last year kind of derailed him, but he came back and looked pretty good. In my mind, still a sub three ERA. That's always ratios are always big for me with Freed. Uh, everyone points to the high fly balls, but he minimizes hard contact. ADP of sixty three for Freed. Are we uh, are we back in on the big man? Yes, at the cost. My only concern is being the injuries. Like I think that's the the question that you have to wonder. And so the interesting thing is that the last several years, uh, Freed has taken Atlanta to arbitration at one this year they just agreed on uh 15 million arb amount and didn't go to an arb hearing which I don't know if that's telling at all I mean obviously through 77 innings last year he's had a, a storied career in Atlanta and even in those innings was was really good we saw the strikeout rate tick up he had 255 ERA which is nuts and all the ERA indicators were also in that range so it was all legit he also had a really high ground ball rate too while missing more bats the, the ground ball rate jumped to 58 percent from 51 percent the last two years so if free is healthy which it's a contract here we said that about ozuna i'll say it again because i do think that matters freed is positioning himself for a massive payday next year if the braves haven't extended him by the beginning of the year i don't think they're going to extend him i think he's going to test the waters not to say he's not going to end back up in atlanta but I think he's going to see what he can get on the free agent market. And he certainly has proved his case for that as long as he can stay healthy in 2024. But the pitcher himself, extremely good. You know what you're going to get. He's such a safe bet for ratios. Will give you solid strikeouts. So overall, he's a player that I want to invest in. Praying the health stays up with him. And he can just throw those 185 innings again that he did in 2022. Because he's certainly a beast when he's on the mound. Like I said, ADP is 63. It's a fun group right around. I'm like right before him at 61 is Logan Webb. Framber Valdez at 60. Right right after him, Grayson Rodriguez at 63 also. Logan Gilbert's like at 64. Blake Snell's right there. Cody Singa. They're all within like four or five picks of each other. That's a heck of a round that it's going to be a lot of fun looking back at next year to see how that all that, the cookies crumbled in there because that's going to be some make or break picks for sure. Chris Sale, one of the later, uh, one of the trade acquisitions earlier this year for the Atlanta Braves, coming in with an ADP of uh, 139. Decent year, all things considered. I think coming back from the injury, we saw the strikeouts come back, which is a big thing for me. I think they just let him loose, and I think it's a heck of a price tag. I could be wrong, but I have a few shares of Sale already. So what's your thoughts on Chris Sale? Yeah, so Sale's certainly interesting. He looked to be kind of back to the old Chris Sale as the season progressed. While the ERA, you know, wasn't there in the second half, he still showed big strikeout numbers. He limited walks pretty well, which command was something big that I want to see from Sale. He's now in another spot where he's like Kelnick. He's stepping into a team where he doesn't need to be the top guy. He doesn't need to be the ace of the staff. 
he's going to be there three or four. Yeah, he's going to be 35 to begin the season. But I really do believe that Sale's still got plenty of good days ahead of him. While there is some mileage on the arm from early in his career, the last few years he hasn't put a lot of mileage on the arm at all. He did get back over 100 innings last year, which was key. He said in some interviews this is his first healthy offseason since the pandemic. So that's kind of wild. So that's a a long time to go of non-healthy regular off-seasons. So, yeah, I think Sale is primed for a bounce back. At the cost there, I do think there's potential for return on investment. And you don't really need a ton of innings. If he gives you 140 to 150, I think you'll be pretty happy there considering you know other arms that go in that range. Like, you don't need a huge innings eater, in my opinion. Like, if he gives you really solid 140, 150, then I'd be pretty happy ultimately with that investment that I'm making at that cost. Yep, I'm with you. I'm buying in on him quite a bit, hoping for about 150 innings and we can have some fun with Chris Sale this season. Charlie Morton, a player I always love to draft, but I always get nervous until I hear it come out of his mouth. Um, He's going to be 40 this year. I just don't know if he's playing. I know they exercise the option for him, but he's like every year it's like, ah, I might retire, I might not. I'm expecting him to play until I hear otherwise, but it's also hard for me to take a – a pick at around 245 on Charlie Morton. I just love because he just he'll eat up inning, he'll get you a bunch of strikeouts, doesn't crush your ratios. What's your thoughts on Morton this year? Like, do you think he's playing? I would think so at this point. I feel like he would have announced it if, if you'd not. Hope so. You'd hope so, yes. Yeah. I think this is last year, though. I will say that they they kind of restructured his contract a year ago. He has an option for 2025, but I think this is probably it. 40 years old. I mean, it's been a heck of a career, especially, you know, as he's just blossomed late in his career with Houston, then in Tampa, and now to finish out in Atlanta, who was his original draft team is is pretty cool. And yeah, the results were still solid last year. He wasn't as great limiting walks. The walk rate has kind of flown up the last several years. So that is something to watch. You know, since 2020 at a 6% walk rate, that jumped to seven and a half. Eight and a half, then eleven and a half last year. So it's been a kind of a substantial jump. The batting averages against have still been really good. He he limits hard contact well. He's a contact manager that also can miss bats. I mean, he still struck out you know ten per nine, a twenty six percent clip last year. That's still pretty solid from a forty year old man out there on the mound. Something that uh, I hope I can still be throwing a baseball at forty. So that's uh, yeah. rather impressive. I think that you have to go into it with the expectation. We've seen the inning drop year over year. So if he kind of continues that pace that he's done the last three years, he's probably sitting at 150. And again, like, do you need him to throw more than that, given the draft capital? I don't think so. I think there could be a – he's still a solid arm, but at some point he's just going to fall off the cliff. Hopefully he finishes out his career without falling off the cliff, but I would be lying if I told you I wasn't nervous about you know, Charlie Morton and what he could potentially do this year mm-hmm. and whether he can stay healthy the entire year. Yeah, I'm with you. That's kind of my only conundrum with him because I love taking him late in drafts for the reasons I mentioned. Just looked, I'm mean, almost a month of the day older than Charlie Morton. I, I can throw a ball, but not like that. I can barely get out of bed some mornings with my back. So I don't know how that man keeps chucking. First with all his kids at home, he's made enough money. Like, I'm with you. I This has to be it. That's why I'm kind of just sitting there watching and wondering. Bryce Elder is technically the fifth man in the rotation for now. His was quite an interesting season last year uh, overall. Pitched really well. Ratios are great. Just no strikeouts. There was a ton of contact. 
Like I was sitting there on DFS going, this guy's getting like, you look at the blowups coming. It felt like it just never really did, but uh, ADP close to 400 right now. If you are believing in the person that is Bryce Elder. Well, he certainly, I would say likely starts in the fifth spot of the rotation. You know, they've said there's going to be a competition for the fifth spot, but it's hard to say that he's not that fifth guy and doesn't hold that unless something drastic happens. I mean, you look at what Elder did last year, and it was it was just solid, wasn't flashy at all. There was a lot of regression in the second half, but that was kind of to be expected. He still ate a lot of innings. He threw 174 and two-thirds with a 3.81 ERA, and I know that the splits were pretty drastic. He jumped to a 5.11 ERA in the second half, but again, it was it was almost as if like he's going to meet in the middle somewhere. He was a right at three ERA in the first half. The peripheral number suggested higher. And then you look at the second half and it's like, oh, 5'11 ERA. Whoops. But I think the peripherals also suggest that he pitched a little bit better than that too in the second half. So he's probably meet in the middle kind of guy. But I think Elder's pretty much a lock to throw innings until one of those you know, big prospects is ready or somebody beats him out, which I don't see unless you go out and trade for somebody. But right now it seems like elder is kind of a lock for that, that fifth spot. All right. We'll come back to those fifth spots in a minute when we talk prospects, but let's head to the bullpen and we'll go to Rysel Iglesias, who is just like the slow and steady, boring veteran that I've always enjoyed come fantasy draft season, ADP of around 56. So you're not paying a premium for him. And on a team like the Braves, like he got 33 saves last year. We've seen him get 30 saves a lot in his career. Uh, strikeouts are always usually usually good. The ratios aren't bad. I think he's fine, but let me know if I'm missing something. Nope. I think he's just as safe of a bet. I mean, we've seen Mentor in the ninth. Mentor is much better suited for the eighth inning role. They've got a lot of guys if Iglesias does go down, but yep. Iglesias has been as steady as they come. I mean, you just look year over year. He's going to give you those outings. He's going to get saves. He's going to give you good ratios. I mean, since 2020, He's been a sub 275 ERA every year, and he gets a ton of saves. He gets a lot of strikeouts. The walk rate is trended up, but if he walks 6.5% of batters, I don't care. That's still a really good rate. I mean, he, I know he was down to 4.5% in 2021. He was 5.5% in 2022, whatever. If he gives you 6.5%, that's not going to hurt you at all. Still going to give you a solid whip, I think. Solid ratios across the board. I think Iglesias is just pretty safe bet, and if for some reason he does go down – I think probably mix and match that ninth inning with Minter, you know, going against lefties. I think Ronaldo, they've mentioned Ronaldo Lopez getting a chance to start. I think that's stupid. I think he's a great back of the bullpen arm. Joe Jimenez had a really solid year. Pierce Johnson was really good when he came over from Colorado last year. There's a lot of options, but I think you just draft Iglesias, hope he stays healthy all year, and is that steady guy that he's been for his entire career. Yeah, you nailed my question. I was curious the Ronaldo thing, but I'm with you. Iglesias is that dude, and I think we're we're good in that regard. All right, Mr. Prospect Guy, who do we got in Atlanta? You kind of hinted at some pictures for a while there, but what are we looking forward to in 2024? Yes, there's no hitting prospects that are to be excited about at all in this org. They've got some lower-level guys. They always find guys like Vaughn Grissom or Michael Harris late to draft, but at the moment, there's not a lot of depth in the system and it looks like a bad system on paper, but I think they do arguably have two top 10 pitching prospects in AJ Smith Shalver and Hurston Waldrop. Waldrop was their first round pick last year. He made it to AAA by season's end. And there was even talk that he was going to be 
promoted to the major league roster to be on the playoff roster in his draft year, which is pretty wild. But that's what they think of Waldrop, who was out of Florida, really strong career. He's got a big fastball, sits about 95, gets up to 99. His splitter might be one of the best splitters in all of baseball. It was arguably the best individual pitch in the 2023 draft class. Just absolutely insane movement profile. Really, really good pitch. Throws a slider and a curve as well. 12-6 curve shape and a more horizontal movement on the slider. And you look at the results at Florida, and they're like, okay, like this is this is really odd. Florida does weird things with their pitchers as far as pitch mixes. When he was behind in counts, he threw like 70% fastballs. And in college, we know that coaches call the game. Mm-hmm. So that's obviously like a weird method to see. Braves tweak some things. Waldrop was the best pitcher in the draft last year, to, or like at least from a pro debut standpoint. So I think Waldrop is ready. There's still going to be th- some things they work on, but he'll be ready sooner than not. We also saw them push A.J. smith Shalver pretty aggressively. It was kind of wild to see him jump from uh, high A to the majors as quick as he did as a 20-year-old. I uh, called him in AAA, and it was his only start in AAA before he got the bump. It was like, okay, he had three starts in high A. He had two starts in double A. It was like, dang, this guy's fast-tracked. He's in AAA. I went went over to Gwinnett, called the start. Alex Anthopoulos is there. I'm like, okay, like if Alex Anthopoulos is sitting here watching uh, AJ Smith Shalver pitch, then they're certainly <laughs> looking if he can be. And so I just went over and chatted with him between innings. I didn't ask him to uh, for any secrets or anything, but I did just ask him like how they were valuing AJ. And he's, I mean, he told me he thought that he said he's as good or if not better than everybody in AAA is from from a rotation standpoint. So why not give him a shot? And then. On Tuesday, I think that was a Friday, the next Tuesday he was called up to Atlanta. I was like, there you go. That's why Alex was there watching him. And so the results in the majors were a mixed bag. But as a 20-year-old, I thought they were still pretty solid. He was really good in AAA as well as he was kind of up and down between Atlanta and Gwinnett. It's a big fastball with a lot of ride up in the zone. It's He spins it very well, comes from a low like vertical approach angle, admits a lot of bats, gets hitters to swing under it. He's got a slider that's developed significantly, just a really nasty, like mid to upper 80s pitch. He started throwing the curveball more, and that was huge, like upper 70s curve, really good profile. And then the changeup as well kind of became more of a developing pitch. Since his development path was interesting, he came into Atlanta as a four pitch guy. Atlanta said, Hey, we really want to develop this fastball slider combo like they did with Spencer Strider. So he, they didn't allow him to throw the curve or the change up at all. And then they slowly started implementing this and it's really paid off. Like this year, they kind of let him go with the curveball. That was a significant pitch for him. The change up still has flashes. It's a, I mean, it's this distant fourth pitch right now, but if that develops, AJ Smith Shalver could be a really good arm and both Waldrop and AJ Smith Shalver are ready. They've shown that they could step into this rotation as, as young arms at any time. And it wouldn't shock me at all. We've seen them obviously want to hold on to them. There was a lot of buzz around either of these guys going into Chicago in the uh, Dylan Cease trade. They opted for Chris Sale because they didn't have to give up uh, Hurston Waldrop or AJ Smith Schalver. And it shows you the Braves' confidence in both of these guys. And I think that I wouldn't be shocked if either of them made 20 starts in Atlanta. The numbers kind of always work out. These guys are ready. And so I think sooner than later, we'll see them up and pitching in this rotation. 
That's great to hear. And like you said, it kind of always works out because as much as we all want our starting five to stay starting five the whole year, it don't happen. Like there's going to be openings throughout the time. That's why you need six, seven, eight options at times throughout a year. Uh, AJ Smith Shaver right now is an ADP right around 400, 399.46 and Hurston Waldrop 481.37. So um, those are both guys I'm going to keep on my radar going forward. Smith Shaver, I've just kind of, I've kind of looked at a lot. Never even really looked into wall trip because I'm not a prospect guy. So that's why I love doing these. And that's a very interesting profile. And the fact that he got bumped up so fast, I wouldn't be shocked. Like you said to, uh, because elder is fun and all, but just watching his profile, there's so much pitch to contact. That always terrifies me. Always yeah. terrifies me is something go incredibly wrong very quickly. And then yeah, you mentioned Morton sale and Compa freed all injury concerns at times. So there could be an opening indeed. Well, that'll wrap us up, my friend, previewing the Atlanta Braves, the 2024 season. Uh, before we head on out, why don't you remind everybody where they can find you and all the great work you got going on? Sure. So, you know, nearly posting every day at the Dynasty Dugout as far as uh, Dynasty prospect content. Even going to do a little bit of redraft stuff. You know, we I chatted with Bubba about a month ago for prospects for DCs to target and kind of want to write that up. Just, you know, it was fun to talk about. So I think there's some, some value to be had there, but uh, also doing a little work at, Roto Baller, and then the Toolshed Pod with Eric Cross as well. And all that goes to X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it, at Roto Clegg. Yep, go check him out if you aren't. For some reason, I'm pretty sure you have more followers than I do. So I think you're okay there in that regard. But if you're not following him, make a change to that. Content's amazing, so go check him out. It's uh, definitely good stuff. And thanks for joining me, my friend. Always a pleasure chatting with you. Yep, you too. Appreciate you, Bubba. All right, everybody. This is Bench with Bubba, episode 637, your 2024 Atlanta Braves team preview. Catch you all next time.